Happy New Year. Happy New Year and welcome. <laughs> Good evening. I'd like to call the regular uh, City of Vacaville Parks and Recreation Commission meeting of January 4th, 2023 to order and ask Secretary Flancia Riz to please call roll. Commissioner Oz? Here. Commissioner Berumen? Here. Commissioner Gutierrez? Here. Commissioner McMahon? Here. Commissioner Shea? Vice Chair Thompson? Here. Chair Vasquez? Here. Thank you. Um, and if we could all stand um, to present the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, Justice for all. all right. Thank you, everyone. Um, next, oh, bless you. Uh, moving on to agenda item three, approval of agenda. Um, everyone has had a chance to review the agenda. And do we have any amendments? Yes, we do, Madam Chair, have an amendment to the agenda. Number 15 under adjournment. It says we will adjourn to the regularly scheduled meeting of Wednesday, February 1st, 2023. We have scheduled a special meeting for the commission. So that should read uh, Wednesday, January 18th. Mm -hmm. okay. That's the only amendment I have. Thank you. Yep. Um, do I have a motion to approve the agenda as amended? All of motion. And a second? Second. Okay, uh, I heard motion by Thompson and second by McMahon. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. Any opposed? Okay. Thank you. The agenda is approved. Uh, so moving on to agenda item four, approval of the minutes. Um, has everyone had a chance to review the November 2nd, 2022 minutes? Very long minutes. Thank you, Tracy. I do have one minor uh, revision on page four, about halfway down the page. It says generate review, and I think it should say generate revenue for Duke. I think. At least that's the context of the bullet point. Any other amendments to the minutes? Okay. Do I have a motion to approve the minutes as amended? Second. Okay. So, Baru uh, motion by Bruman, second by Oz. Uh, all those in favor? Aye. Aye. Any opposed? Okay. The minutes are approved. Um, so, moving on to agenda item five communications. Uh, Director Hubbard, do we have any? communications for tonight. Yes, Commission Chair, today we did receive an email directed to the Commission from a Karen Nolan, and she wanted to invite the Commission to the third annual Peace in the Park celebrating the life of Martin, uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. on men Monday, January 16th from 12 to 2. So you guys should all have a copy of, if you don't have a copy, you will be receiving a copy of this. This just came this afternoon and she wanted us to forward this to you guys. Today. Awesome, thank you so sure. much. Um, so another reminder, we have, we have received a, a question, um, in the centennial, um, art, uh, outreach 
um, last month. And Tony with uh, the Solano Community Tennis Association has um, prepared a, a very comprehensive um, letter and uh, supporting documentation about some of the challenges that the Tennis Association is having um, with parks. And so I wanted to just recognize that. I, I assured Tony that we would make sure that all the commissioners receive this and perhaps we can make it part of the, the agenda for tonight. It is pretty significant. There's quite a bit. Here. Uh, Director Hubbard, how would we? We can't make it part of the agenda. If you can okay. report out on it under your comments. We can make copies and make sure that all the commissioners receive it. Absolutely. Okay. okay. Thank you, Director Hubbard. Um, and thank you, Klaus, for presenting that. Um, moving on to agenda item six, presentations. Uh, we have none. So moving on to agenda item seven, business from the floor. This is the time to address the commission with issues uh, that are not on the agenda, but are within the commission's subject matter jurisdiction. There is a maximum of three minutes per speaker. And is there anyone from the public who'd wish to address the commission regarding a topic that's not on the agenda tonight? And I'll also have a three minute timer here. Uh, excuse me. Hello, um, our commissioners. I'm Joan Marquand Wilsey. I live in the um, District 6 area of Vacaville. I've been here about 17 years and I retired a couple of years ago and my self assignment is to learn more about city government and the path to do things. But this is a very general comment and I don't know how to approach it. But is there possibly a flow chart or a chain of command thing that a citizen could follow when a project is in its initial stages or how it comes to community meetings and what we do to get involved. That would be like what I would like to understand better and to share with my neighbors and to get them motivated. I live near Pheasant Country Park and we've been um, working on some community meetings that was in 21, I think, 2021. And there were like 20 people, but I'm all for getting more people involved if they understand what they could do. And um, thanks to um, park planner Nemo Gonzalez, he helped us with a big map that we showed off at National Night Out, trying to develop interest, but any other tips or I would be willing to put in some effort to help develop this and put it up on the website. Thanks for your time and thanks for being here on a rainy night, stormy, <laughs> terrible rainy night. Thanks. <laughs> and Mr. Haas, thanks for introducing me to the book. My name is Tony Moras. Uh, the draft plan that Blair is referring to was presented to the community last month. And it uh, will soon be coming to you for approval, which is why I'm here. We haven't seen the words of the plan, but the proposed park configuration within the plan looks a lot like the park plan that we saw in 2021 when you took the commission through Centennial Park to brief the plan at that time. And that showed the four current uh, tennis courts at Centennial Park going away, replaced by four new courts uh, tucked up behind the uh, center field fence by the baseball diamond uh, in an area that truly is not uh, expandable. It would be four courts and, and that's all you could possibly get there. That plan was put on hold uh, and now we're coming uh, two years forward to now put the plan forward. Both that plan and the current plan are built on community outreach data was that was pulled in between the years 2017 and 2019. And I'll be honest, there was very little tennis participation on 10 
evacuated at that time. That's because we had three major in-shape clubs, each hosting a tennis family in this area, uh, Rancho Solano, Dover, and uh, Browns Valley. The pandemic in 2019 had major impacts on our local tennis community. First was a huge increase in the number of people playing tennis and pickleball. We have to accept that they're part of our life now too. Those uh, both sports are non-contact and outside sports. So cool thing. The second was that InShape made a management decision to not support organized tennis going. We put all those organized tennis activities that used to be at those three clubs back out in the public. We formed, found Centennial Park as a new home and that's where we've been ever since. You're going to be asked to approve this 20, this 2023 plan that is really based on data that's more than four years old. Things, major things have happened, at least in our world, since that time, and we just like to have that accepted. Uh, when the planners present that plan to you, uh, the book shows documentation also. I told Reggie uh, the planners should be directed to, you don't have to do another community outreach program to find support for tennis. Just look at uh, Dr. Katie Solario, facilities rental in, in Parks and Rec. He goes crazy every month doing a rental permit for our league play. Uh, talk to Elizabeth Persant, uh, the uh, recreation supervisor. Uh, she's carrying all the, uh, or supporting all the uh, programs the pro is putting out there through the city programs on the courts. Uh, or Reggie's aware of the things we've been doing for the last year and a half to try to keep tennis alive in the city. Uh, even the park rangers know more tennis on the courts than a reflected current uh, document. But the planners aren't really listening to the pickleball committee uh, community. Each of each of us, or both committees, are asking for a single location with enough courts to uh, support a world similar to what we used to have at uh, Browns Valley. Uh, the first looking for two things in the new plan: one is acknowledgement that there is tennis going on in the city, and two, when part, when tennis courts are placed in a new plan, put them in a place that we can expand to go to four, eight, twelve courts at, when funding becomes available. We can work with you to help make that happen. Uh, but where they are now in the new plan, uh, we can't support that. And we'll use them, but they're not expandable. Okay. Thank so, you. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> Good evening. My name is Terry Christabel. I've been a Vacaville resident since 1979. My husband and I raised two sons. Um, my sons were actively involved in city sports from the age of four until they graduated from Vaca High School. Thank you to the Parks and Rec and because for providing affordable opportunities for my sons as well as others to play sports. These opportunities have made Vacaville a desirable family environment. The family environment also include the accessibility uh, to lifelong sports, such as golf and tennis. And um, Green uh, Tree unfortunately closed in 2016 after 55 years of service. Many families play golf at Green Tree. In fact, Green Tree was a great place to teach children the game of golf. In 2019, sports clubs changed their focus in which tennis was eliminated or severely um, eliminated, uh, limited. Vacaville is very fortunate to have public courts dispersed throughout the community, but the model does not fulfill our needs at this time. 
league tennis that once was played at private clubs is forced to play at public uh, courts. Depending upon the team category, each team needs three to four courts for at least two hours. And right now, SCTA has 14 teams. Vacaville has grown from 93,920. I checked that out. Wow, that's a lot of people. In 2013, to 10,003, 78 in 2021. My message is to create a plan that is flexible for future growth, starting with four lighted courts and increasing as the population grows to eight, 10, 12, whatever it needs. The United States Tennis Association, we call it USTA, report that in 2021, that there were 22.6 million tennis players, which is a 4.5 increase from 2020 and a 27.9 increase from 2019. That is 4.9 million additional players over a two year period. Increased participation is at an all time high and the USTA is looking at it'll continue to grow. A tennis center would also give opportunities for families to play together. Lessons could be provided by a pro, similar to golf. The love of the sport could lead to college scholarships for our young people. I'm hoping that the Vacaville Parks and Recreation will continue with the tradition of providing family activities to maintain a close-knit community. Thank you. Thank you. Good evening, my name is Ken Wildung, retired Air Force officer. And I wanna first of all, thank each and every one of you for your service here to Vacaville in our community, which I've been a part of for 38 years. I really appreciate it. I know what it means to serve, and I know you guys are serving, and I appreciate it. Well, we're also here at CTA, SCTA, to serve and to join you in that service through tennis, okay, and through tennis. Even right now, these four courts don't satisfy anywhere near our needs because we already in January and in early February have 14 teams vying to schedule court time on Saturday and Sunday. Doesn't take a mathematician to figure out that can't really work. So we also need a facility that will deal with youth. And that's my focus. That's really one of our main focuses is to bring youth under the SCTA and bring them training, bring them education, bring them fun, bring them relationships, which is what really boils down to have a good tennis team, which we have many. In those years I've been here, I've been on 58 teams, USTA teams, let alone playing regularly. That's something like 270 matches. Now I'm 78 years old and I'm pretty darn healthy. <laughs> and I'm still playing competitive tennis. And I have 14 grandkids and I've seen that effect on their lives because I have a court at my house out here in English Hills. And I want that for the youth of Vacaville. 
we at SC, SCTA recognize that. In fact, we've got a significant donation already towards those ends, towards children and youth and development here within Vacaville. And beyond that, we have a volunteer who's ready to take that on and hire the pros we need, which currently we can't do on city courts. But if I have to use my court to do that, I will do that. And we will look for other private courts in the neighborhood to do just that until we can get that plan on the parks and rec plan. We are a nonprofit. We can raise funds. We want to join you guys in making these sort of things happen for our youth and for our adults that really want to get out and make good relationships on the tennis court. And we will do that. But we have to have it in the plan. And then we can go together and fund it. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Hi. Hello. First of all, thank you for being commissioners. I've been on several commissions over a long period of time. It's all volunteer. I know you're here with the best interest. I haven't been here as long as Ralph. Nobody's been here as long as Ralph. <laughs> for most of us, we've been here a long time. The topic is tennis in Vacaville. You might be confused why we're bringing that up. The city planners used data collected in 2017 to determine the tennis needs in the community. And at the time, it was a great study. The data is accurate. What happened was InShape went bankrupt. InShape got a receiver. The new receiver, Tony and I have been working with, and they don't want to support tennis. They've ripped out three courts, made them permanent pickleball courts, and their plan at Browns Valley is to rip them all out and make it all pickleball. So what was four courts at Centennial Park, which was a perfect answer, it's now no longer works. So we aren't asking you to spend any more money at this time. We're just asking you to put the four courts at Centennial in a place that can be expanded. That makes sense? And I know there's future money in the budget through Measure M, community service, we helped pass the budget. There's $40 million sitting there. And you folks should have a lot of say of how it's spent because it was for community services. But all you have to do, all we're asking for at this time is that plan that I have not seen, but I'm told the new four courts are in a location that cannot be expanded. And we're asking to rethink that. Centennial's a wonderful facility. It's in the middle that isn't surrounded by houses and it, it's the perfect place to expand all the other facilities plus tennis. Just put the four courts in a place that can be expanded to eight or 12 later on. That makes sense? Thank you. Thank you. Hi, my name is John Goodwin, and I just wanted to piggyback on the tennis group or the pickleball group, say hi. Um, and, and we have kind of the same concern. I know we've been talking a lot lately about the pickleball courts and the need, and there's the city has shown interest in you know putting a couple pickleball courts at a couple different parks, but we actually have the same kind of issue. When we, if the weather's decent on a Saturday, Sunday morning, we have at least 20 to 40 players that show up 
at time because pickleball is a little different. You play for 15 minutes, you switch up, you go to different courts. It's a very social activity as opposed to playing like two sets of tennis. So we need a lot of courts in one spot so that we can have a lot of players that switch back and forth and everything. So that's what I, the point I wanted to make was that we also have a need for a regional facility with at least, like right now we easily fill, take up six courts if the weather is decent. That's right now, that's not, I mean, we're still expanding. And as you know, you know, Fairfield put in 16 courts. So that's the kind of facility that we're looking for. Thank you very much. Thank you. Looks like that's everybody. We will go ahead and um, thank you all for your comments. Um, move on to agenda item eight, uh, reports of Public Works Superintendent David Jacobson. Let's get to him here. Yeah, I'm sorry, Commission Chair. I should have told you that he's he's out ill tonight. Okay, so do we just yeah we can move we'll, on? We can we can make sure that we mail the report, okay. a written report to the commission. Okay, great. Thank you. Um, so then, moving on to uh, agenda item nine, business. Um, so we have our first item, nine A. Um, Director Hubbard, would you like to introduce this item on the Mendier budget presentation? Yes, thank you, Commission Chair. We have Eric Laro, who will be presenting our mid-year budget report. We have, um, I've learned from Tracy that we used to do this maybe seven, 10 years ago. So we wanted to bring this back um, in line with the with the city council. Every year, the city council, the finance director brings a mid-year report to the council. And so we wanted to um, get in line with the council and bring you our the Parks and Rec mid-year budget report. So Eric Lauro will be presenting this report. Thanks, Eric. Uh, turn on your mic, let's see, 11, there you go. Thank you. Good evening, Chair, Vice Chair, and Commissioners. Happy New Year. Tonight, I will be presenting a mid-year operating budget update to connect our fiscal year 2023 strategy to our department accomplishments uh, thus far. So we'll begin with the department's updated organizational chart with our newly approved full-time positions and continue with a brief overview and refresher of our program operating budget that was approved for this fiscal year. I will then present a status update for our department budget divisions, which are administration, pay-to-play programs, facilities, and community well-being programs. We'll then take a look at how our current budget is performing compared to last fiscal year at mid-year. And then we'll talk about some of the challenges we're facing uh, and highlight some achievements that we've been able to accomplish. Finally, I'll give some brief updates on uh, a couple of non-park-related capital improvement program projects, and we'll close out with a Q&A. Our department uh, now consists of 26 full-time positions as of the start of this fiscal year and 150 to 250 part-time positions depending on the season. There are also a total of 21 employees of VenueTech who operate our Vacaville Performing Arts Theater. New positions added this fiscal year include an additional recreation supervisor who is providing oversight to program registration, facility reservations, and park ranger. An additional non-full-time park ranger was also added an administrative technician for department marketing, and a conversion of a part-time facility maintenance coordinator to full-time, and an associate park planner. We're happy to report that all of the new positions have been filled except for the associate park planner, which the recruitment will be soon opened for. Uh, all new positions other than the park ranger and the facility maintenance coordinator were funded through Measure M. 
Currently, the department has uh, two other full-time vacancies that we're actively recruiting for. Uh, the positions are both recreation coordinators who will oversee adult and youth sports and aquatics and concessions programming. Uh, we also currently have multiple vacancies for uh, recreation specialists across all program areas, as well as aquatic specialists for the Grand Aquatic Center. On June 28, 2022, City Council approved the proposed operating budget for Parks and Recreation, which included a bottom line expenditure budget uh, for programming of $9.2 million and a revenue goal of $4.6 million. This set our cost recovery goal for programming at 50%. All numbers I'm presenting today are as of December 31st, 2022, which equates to 50% of the fiscal year. At the halfway point of the fiscal year, we've utilized 4.1 million or 44% of our expenditure budget and have generated just under 2 million or 44% of our revenue projection. It's not uncommon uh, for the department to be tracking slightly behind at this time of year, uh, as many programs slow down in the winter months uh, and pick back up in the spring. Tracking slightly behind that 50% mark allows us to ensure we have enough budget to cover the boom in recreation that occurs in late spring and early summer, uh, where we also expect to see revenue, revenue numbers spike as well. Our budget for administration this fiscal year was approved at 2.84 million. And as of 50% of the fiscal year, we have spent 1.3 million or 46% of our overall budget. There were some cost savings realized in this division due to the full-time vacancies that we have within the department. Our administrative division budget allows us to provide many different services to the city and the community, including but not limited to the ones that are listed on this slide. Administrative employees are responsible for park planning, production and distribution of the city events guide, administering the department budget and managing grants received by the department, recruitment, program registration and facility reservations, and commission, council, and advisory boards. Our pay-to-play programs budget receives the largest portion of our programming budget, and we have seen a lot of growth within uh, many activities within this division. As of December 31st, uh, this division has spent 44% of its expense budget and generated 46% of its revenue projection. The bottom line cost recovery for this division is currently at 109%. So these programs are currently uh, bottom line covering all of their costs. This year, we've experienced a huge increase in demand for pay-to-play programs. Uh, some including fall baseball, which reached a record number of enrollment of 450 participants, which is a 54% increase from 2019. Also, winter basketball had over 500 participants, which is a 71% increase from 2018. Our gymnastics drop-in sessions are consistently booked at maximum capacity of 80 participants per session. And a competitive dive meet uh, was held at the Graham Aquatic Center with over 50 uh, athletes. The increased demand for pay-to-play programs is reflected in our cost recovery rate, which is currently uh, at about 109%, which is 3% over uh, our projected cost recovery at the end of the year. Our facilities budget was approved at 2.1 million and pays for the operation activities at all of our various recreation and community centers. Facilities have spent 46% of their budget and generated 40% of their revenue goal. We have been facing challenges with rising indirect costs that have made cost recovery at facilities harder to achieve. Uh, despite this challenge, we have experienced some uh, successes from activities at our facilities this year, some being a great season of shows, turnout at the Vacaville Performing Arts Theater, including a sold out Tower of Power concert, 
The Solano County Home and Garden Show was held at the Harbison Event Center, and three dive-in movie nights were hosted at the Graham Aquatics facility. Our final budget division is our community well-being programs. These programs serve the purpose of providing low to no cost activities, classes, excursions, and citywide events to increase equity, diversity, and inclusion within uh, Vacaville's recreation offerings. As of 50% of the fiscal year, the community well-being's category has spent 34% of its expenditure budget and reached 25% of its revenue goal. We do hope to see the revenue in this budget category pick up when the volume of special events increases in spring and summer. This uh, accounts for the majority of the revenue in this category just because they're citywide, so they attract a larger uh, group of participants. This year, uh, we have been able to bring back much of the programming in this division that was shut down during COVID and also offer new events and activities to our community. Some highlights are a Dia de los Muertos event, the annual McBride Senior Thanksgiving Dinner, Vacacon, which saw over a thousand patrons this year, and therapeutic recreation sensory room, which continued to max out participants even with additional sessions added. So to wrap up the numbers portion of the presentation, I wanted to show a comparison of this year's bottom line numbers against uh, last fiscal year at 50% of the year, so as of December 31st. In summary, uh, when compared to this time last fiscal year, Parks and Recreation has increased expenditures by 18%, and has seen an increase in revenue of 32%. We have also seen an overall increase in our cost recovery rate of four percentage points. We attribute these increases to the spike in demand we have experienced since the lifting of COVID restrictions. And our staff has been working hard to manage the demand and bring the much needed recreation back to the community uh, and has served over 62,000 people through programs, events, and facility reservations and rentals. This fiscal year has been a year of recovery, rebuilding, and growth from the COVID-19 pandemic. And though much demand for recreational programming has returned in full force, there are some unique challenges that we've been tasked with as a result. The first of these being staffing levels. So typically, uh, Parks and Rec has a consistent demand for our entry-level recreational specialist positions, which see a high rate of turnover, but are also quicker to be filled. Um, this year, we've seen more turnover within our recreation specialists two and three positions, which uh, we're finding more difficult to backfill as we do not receive as many applicants for these positions because they do require uh, more experience and a higher degree of responsibility. Uh, with a great resignation in current job market conditions, this appears to be a trend among parks and rec agencies. We're also struggling with retaining sports officials and being competitive with other employers of sports officials. This is leading to use of our own staff to officiate games, which is resulting in an increase of our non-full-time wages. Uh, another challenge we face is lack of indoor recreation facilities. As mentioned, the demand for recreation has bounced back, and this year we're seeing record amounts of sports teams, registrations, and participation. Many of our facilities are booked for these events at maximum capacity, uh, and many programs are experiencing wait lists as we do not have the adequate space or staff to respond to the growing demand. And then finally, uh, as mentioned earlier, we are seeing a rise in indirect costs, uh, such as utilities, particularly at our facilities that make attaining those cost recovery goals harder to achieve. 
Though we have experienced some challenges this year, our staff also has achieved many accomplishments that I wanted to highlight as well. Uh, in the year of rebuilding, Parks and Rec has been able to revive beloved recreational activities as well as provide new events for our community. As a result of increased participation in activity offerings, the department has seen an increase in overall revenue of 32%, an increase in cost recovery of four percentage points, increased revenue in 19 out of 22 program divisions, and 18 program divisions with an increased cost recovery rate when compared to this time last fiscal year. And I wanted to close out the presentation by giving an update um, on some of the non-park related capital improvement program projects. Uh, this fiscal year, Measure M has enabled us to improve, replace, and acquire new equipment across multiple facilities that wouldn't otherwise be possible. Our gymnastics program was able to replace an outdated spring floor and has ordered new uneven bars for the Vacaville Recreation Center. A new boxing ring has been ordered for the Georgie Duke Sports Complex and is expected to arrive by the end of next month. And then with the help of the Shuttered Venue Operators Grant, we were able to acquire a new projector, LED lighting upgrades, and a hydraulic fire curtain at the Vacaville Performing Arts Theater. And a new portable stage for Ulatis Community Center has been ordered, which will be replacing the currently uh, really outdated and dilapidated stage that we have there. And this concludes uh, the mid-year budget update presentation. I'd be happy to take any questions or comments that you have. Um, I'd like to open it to the public for any questions or comments. Eric, presentation? No? Okay, I'll go ahead and close it to public comment. Um, any commissioner questions or comments for Eric? Uh, commissioner Gutierrez. Question. Um, Ooh, that sounds low. Do we use the data for the increased attendance um, and factor that into like any of our master planning? So if there's an increase in baseball, basketball, um, do we use that data as far as fulfilling some of the needs that we've heard from the community for some of those? If, if it continues to rise and we're getting revenue from it, it seems like we would use that information to you know, put toward improving the existing courts that we have and things like that to support that increase in need. Yes, <laughs> Gutierrez, um, great question. Yes, we do use that data to plan uh, future operations and on future facilities. Uh, and, and we will use that data over a few years. So some things spike and they, they ebb and flow, but um, we, we're continually uh, collecting data to use it to make decisions based on future facilities, absolutely. I have a couple. <laughs> um, the um, I'm assuming that your budget request and budget ask from last year accounted for the increase in minimum wage that went up for January 1, 2023. Yeah, it, it did. Oh. <laughs> if I can answer that question more specifically, we work with our HR department, and if we every year, I think it started in 2019. Mm -hmm. Yes, <laughs> we worked with our HR and our finance department to make sure those increases were put into our budget. Okay, cool. Um, other question. Um, I didn't see anything in the presentation about like um, training or development for staff. Um, where does that fall, I guess, in the spectrum of your budget allocations or 
Um, you know, I think specifically for me, I'm thinking about like um, DEI trainings that the staff um, should be taking or could be taking at least um, at the higher level with Parks and Rec, but also down at the lower level at the programmatic level. Um, and is that incorporated anywhere in the budget? Yes, uh, that is. So for program areas that require certifications like um, our aquatic specialist at uh, Graham, that is factored into the aquatics budget. Um, any mandated certification that they have, um, as well as you know other areas like our therapeutic recreation, mm -hmm. uh, any employee that requires a certification to hold their position, it is budgeted within that program area's budget and paid for. Yeah, that makes sense. Sorry. And I'm sorry, Chair. No, if I can expand on that as well. The city, our city HR department does a good job of um, getting all across the across the departments um, training um, coordinated. And sometimes we'll coordinate with other cities as well, Fairfield and, and, and Susun, uh, and th to keep it very low cost, right? And so like we're required to have sexual harassment training, um, equity, diversity, and inclusion training. So we're going through that process right now, and that training is free. Right, and so they, they make sure it's either free or low cost for each department. But as Eric explained, if it's something specific to our program, like aquatics, we incorporate incorporate that into our own budgets. Um, and we try to cover that cost with our fees. But the more global trainings, our HR department works with us to make it either low cost or free. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, and then one other question about the indirect costs, you cited utilities. What? What does that mean in like in terms of facilities? Like, what are the types of indirect costs that are costing a lot of money? Sure. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, to give a little bit of context, so our facilities, uh, the revenue that we collect at facilities is majority from rentals at those facilities, and our fee schedule gets an increase uh, by a consumer price index that's typically between three and five percent annually. But these facility budgets also pay for utilities such as gas, electricity, water, um, property taxes, uh, things that are uh, regular costs. And, and the, the fee rate of those in recent years has raised much more than three to 5%. Mm -hmm. um, so the cost of paying for those indirect costs that we incur, regardless of if we're programming there or if the facility, you know, the facilities are open regardless the same time each day whether there's programming happening so we incur those costs the fees are raising to pay those costs and our fees that we're charging for revenue generating activities are not raising at the same rate so our costs are raising without our revenue being raised proportionately so our cost recovery rate goes down mm -hmm. and that's kind of what we're looking at right now yeah okay thank you mm -hmm. uh commissioner oz Thank you, Eric, for the presentation. Um, it's it's great to see that we're we're on the right track, at least on a on a citywide level. Um, but I guess my question is more for staff. Will this presentation be and this slide deck be made um, part of the the minutes for the meeting? Or um, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, Commissioner Gutierrez. All right, um, Chair Vasquez, you made me think about something in regards to the DEI training. I'm wondering, 
with the increase and the um, looking at cultural events for Vacaville, are we utilizing that training in order to determine what events Vacaville needs to make sure that we are having a really inclusive, you know, catalog of activities for the community as it currently looks right now? Like how is that being determined or assessed on which events we're deciding to roll out and which ones we're deciding not to participate in? That might be more a question for Director Hubbard. Well, well, thank you for that question. The equity, diversity, and inclusion training is geared more towards um, making staff aware of the, the population that we serve, for one, but that can be, in turn, um, taking a look at what programs we offer, right? If Are we being inclusive with the programs that we're offering and the people that we're serving? So that absolutely is a part of this, this particular training. All right, any other questions or comments? All right, thank you so much, Eric, for the presentation. Thank you. Um, okay, so moving on to agenda item 9B. Uh, oh, yes. Hold on. Uh, Chair Vasquez, it's at your discretion to reopen public comment if you choose to on this item, but you would need to reopen it and then close it again. Okay, we're going to go ahead and reopen public comments and I'll go ahead and start the timer now and Eric if you could stay there. Absolutely. I want to talk about measurement. I know most of you know what it is, but you might not know how successful it was. There's right now 37 million dollars unspoken for in Measure M and it was all raised for what? Community service. Guess what? It doesn't have to go there. Because in order to pass a bond, we can only get a 50% vote. With a 50% vote, you can't determine where it goes. Are you with me? To determine where it goes, you had to have a, a two-thirds vote, which you can never get. So I want to point out, in addition to the Measure M money, there's another third, in addition to the 12 new policemen, in addition to that, there's 37 million unspoken for. If you don't, if this council doesn't speak up for it, um, a lot of us are concerned we'll go towards the unfunded liability, which we were promised when we passed it that it wouldn't do that. So here you have basketball, you have pickleball, you got all these things coming at you and you're going, huh, we don't have the money. I'm saying you have a one-time opportunity, you do that was passed for community service and you're the commission. So unless you, this is the time. If you want it, design it, ask for it, it'd be hard for them to refuse you. But otherwise it's going to unfunded liability, which I don't think benefits the city at all. And we, 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 when we passed it, we were promised, but you can't uh, force the city to spend it that way because on a 50% vote, they can spend it any way they want. You with me? Thank you. Thank you. Any other public comment on agenda item 9A? Okay, I will go ahead and close public comment for 9A and, uh, <laughs> and move on to 9B, uh, approval of the 2023 calendar of regularly scheduled 
Parks and Recreation Commission meetings. Director Hubbard, if you'd like to introduce the item. Yes, every year we bring the calendar out to the commission to for approval. We usually tailor after the city council meetings on days we're dark. And as you will see, we will be dark the day after July 4th and dark again in December as we were this past year. So we're asking the commission to approve the 2023 calendar. I'll go ahead and open it for public comment if there's any public comment on our 2023 schedule. <laughs> okay, I'll go ahead and close public comment. Um, any commissioner questions or comments? Um, it was in the staff report for 90. Um, the only thing I would add, which I mentioned already to Director Hubbard is um, incorporating somewhere a facility tour um, since we haven't done one since 2021. So um, I think we did it in the summer-ish, time-ish. <laughs> yes. Um, but maybe we could look at maybe like a May if, um, you know, we keep the July and December dark, maybe a May meeting. That's a facility tour. Um, that would be great. And then also um, just ensuring that um, we don't have programs major community programs conflicting with our commission meetings so commissioners consent. Um, all right. Uh, with that, I will entertain a motion to approve the proposed 2023 schedule. Just a recommendation. <laughs> so can I get a motion to approve? Okay, so a motion by McMahon, a second by Baruman. Um, all those in favor? Aye. Aye. Yes. And any opposed? Okay. All right, thank you all so much. Um, so moving on to agenda item 10, committee reports. Uh, we'll start off with 10A, uh, Play for All Committee, Commissioner Shea. Um, so, as you guys can see, it's storming rather nicely outside tonight. Um, Play for All Park is in its very end sieges of um, finishing phase one, and they are just waiting for the weather to clear up. But we have uh, just a couple small um, boxes to check um, that require the weather to be tolerable, um, and then phase one of Play for All will be finished. And um, at that time, um, hopefully transfer over to the city and then they will move into phase two, which is um, something that they're still consistently um, fundraising for. So keep that in mind um, and look for opportunities to support Play For All. Um, they always have t-shirts and bricks that you can buy on their website, um, but they'll also be out in the community again, probably when the weather clears up. Um, so look out for that. That's about it. Um, any questions or comments for Commissioner Shea on Play for All? All right, thank you so much, Commissioner Shea. Um, 10B, Creekwalk Concert Series, Commissioner Gutierrez and Shea. Um, who's gonna report out? Whose mic should I open? Um. <laughs> yeah, we, we met and we went over about what, 60 bands? Yeah, yeah, there were a good amount of bands. Yeah, um, I heard little snippets of of each one, and and made our our votes and our judges and our our comments. It was it was a really nice um, experience, and they provided um, 
and Denner for us as well. So thank you, City of Vacaville, for that. Um, I do believe they're going to take all of our suggestions and um, take a look at what the budget is and make decisions accordingly. So I think that was just one part of the decision-making process. But it was a nice experience. We got to hear from some familiar bands as well as some bands we never heard heard of or heard from. And I think they are going to split up and reach out to some of them that were smaller bands that not, were not used to playing to larger audiences and see if maybe we can have like an opening act to get them introduced to um, the Creekwalk series and maybe gain a little bit of a following there. And then maybe we'll see them in the future on the, on the bigger stage. Um, that's about it, unless I missed anything. No, no, that's about, um, you know, look for updates as far as the actual scheduling of the bands. Um, and I would just say, you know, to the community, um, submit your, your band for next year. Um, it was really exciting to see the range of people that submit, uh, put in submissions to be able to play. Um, and there were some people that you could tell maybe um, this was kind of, uh, a career for them that were very accomplished and played a lot of venues and some that probably hadn't played more than you know just their backyard or their garage but it was really <laughs> exciting to see all of them and I would encourage um, because of that range um, for everybody to that has a band to consider um, submitting so yeah a wide range of music yes. as well different yes. genres it was it was nice. So it'll be exciting to see who the final selection is. However, they did not tell us who the final, final band is. Um, we pressed and we leaned hard, yeah. but um, no, they didn't share that with us. But even yeah. commissioners aren't privy to that information. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Any questions or comments for the commissioners regarding Creekwalk? Um, we're we don't know exactly. It will always be kind of um, starting in mid-June after the Vacaville Unified School District school year ends. And I don't know that they've come out with their updated calendar to let us know that final August date. So it falls whenever those summer months are um, in between the school district school years. Well, uh, thank you both for that update. We'll move on to um, 10C with Vice Chair Thompson and the Sports Advisory Team update. Oh, let me open your mic. Um, I was unable to attend the youth sports, youth sports advisory team meeting on November, that was held on November 7th, but I did receive some very detailed notes. Um, very good meeting from what I gather. Um, some updates um, at Centennial Park and Arlington Park will be completed postseason. They're installing new lights on, two of the, on one field at each of those complexes. Um, new agreements um, for use agreements for 2023 have been out to almost all of the leagues. So they're working on finalizing those and or they have been finalized all, for all but two leagues. Um, so those will be com completed for the 2023 season. Um, Public Works is um, working on um, some renovations underway at Arlington and Centennial that obviously include these large projects that will start after 7-1 um, after the spring season is over. Um, and then positive enrollment, um, this was November 17th and um, Vacaville National Little League was already had 133 players enrolled and Vacaville American Little League had over 200 players enrolled. Uh, we didn't get numbers from Girls Fast Pitch or Pony, but that's very exciting because those exceed um, previous year's numbers. Uh, Reggie, did I miss anything? Perfect. All right, um, any questions or comments for Vice Chair Thompson? All right, thank you so much. 
Uh, we will move on to agenda item 11, reports of park, clamor, park planner, um, Nemo Gonzalez, who will give us park projects update. Uh, good evening, commissioners, and happy new year. Just got two brief uh, updates for you guys tonight. Uh, regarding Centennial Park, uh, our park planner, Hugh Hesterman, uh, along with our consultant, had two meetings to start the draft master plan, which most of you attended. Uh, on Saturday, December 3rd, and a virtual meeting covering the same topic, uh, December 7th. The meeting was well attended. We had 59 attend attendees uh, sign in for the in-person meeting and 31 non-staff members or, or community members who uh, attended the virtual meeting. Uh, the consultant will next bring uh, the updated master plan to the Parks Commission tentatively in April. Uh, regarding Corderos and Ridgeview, uh, a set of score, uh, uh, soccer goals has been ordered for both of the parks, delivered to the Public Works Courtyard, and will be uh, delivered to the respective sites uh, as soon as the weather clears. That concludes my updates. Any questions? Yeah, questions or comments for uh, Commissioner Shea? Thank you um, for the updates. When you say um, that we'll hear updated master plan information about Centennial sometime in April, that's directly incorporating the feedback that was received at the meeting, um, the public meeting. And then what about feedback that we've received here at council um, from some of our more vocal members of tennis and, and pickleball? Uh, yeah. Does that include um, updates for them as well or? So the to answer your first question, yes, it will include the feedback that we received from the two outreach meetings, along with all of the other outreach that's occurred for the process, which has spanned several years. Um, and then obviously I will relay the information that we received tonight, which has been consistent. I think the messaging from the tennis folks and the pickleball courts, uh, I'll relay that to the uh, park planner, uh, Hesterman, who's managing that project. Um, and I just wanna highlight the fact that the, the April date is tentative. And if that changes, I'll update you guys at a future meeting. Thank you. Yeah. Any other questions or comments? Yeah. All right, thank you so much, Nemo, for the update. <laughs> <laughs> That's because you didn't have any PowerPoint slides. <laughs> the weather. <laughs> the weather. Um, okay, so moving on to agenda item 12, reports of recreation manager, Melody Ocampo, um, who will be giving us program updates. Good evening, commission. I do have a few slides, sorry. Um, <laughs> so, but there's some fun visuals, I promise. So, um, Tracy's pulling those up now. And there we go. We can just hop right on to the first uh, there. So I just wanted to highlight some of the holiday fun that we had um, was our breakfast with Santa. The picture on the right that you see here includes a family that's been attending this event for over 15 years. Um, so it's just, it's a longstanding tradition now at this point. Um, and then on the left, you see the neighborhood Santa. That's a picture from our live stream that we were able to do. This is the second year we've done this event. It's been um, well received and we've really enjoyed getting out. We visited four parks a night for five nights um, during one week in December and that was was um, really fun. And then next on the list here is our polar bear plunge, um, which if you go to the next slide here, Tracy. Oh, they're out of order. Go to the next one, sorry. <laughs> so we were featured twice in the Vacaville Reporter and one of those was um, the 
polar bear plunge. We had scheduled it last year, but unfortunately it canceled due to low attendance numbers. So we actually got to have our inaugural plunge um, just last week and it was a really fun event. We had about 21 people registered and they just had a great time um, ringing in the new year with a cold jump into the pool. Uh, you know, colder than normal, and <laughs> there are many participants. <laughs> we tried. We tried to get it cold. Next year, we're bringing ice, I think. No. <laughs> so, and if you go back one, Tracy, sorry. Um, I did want to highlight one of our other uh, featured programs that um, and both of these ended up on the front page of the reporter. Uh, this was our STEM um, camp program. It was a winter camp that was... Um, holiday art and science camp. And it was just really cool um, to see the kids learning, being engaged in this art and science program. And then I just wanted to highlight two um, upcoming programs that's with the same instructor, Linda Holloman, who really does a great job of engaging with her participants and providing them um, a quality experience that, that is both fun and educational. And then if you can move forward to the horse, there we go. And then lastly, I just wanted to highlight um, I know you've heard a lot from Eric's programs about some of the demand, and so I just wanted to showcase some of our winter waiting lists. As you can see, gymnastics has a huge waiting list. Um, that is both facility and staffing that contributes to that. Eric really touched a lot on some of the challenges that we face, but also the um, you know, the opportunities that are there. And you can see that there are people who want these programs, including, as you can see, also the, the youth basketball program, volleyball camp, and then some of our private lessons are in um, high demand. So just wanted to share that. And at this time, I will take any questions or comments. Any questions or comments for Melody? Questioner Shay. Thank you for presenting. Um, is that that uh, size of, of a waiting list pretty typical for the programs? Has it like been gradually increasing by year? Is it is it much higher this year than in, in previous years or seasons for those sports? So specifically the two sports programs or the gymnastics uh, as the well? Gymnastics, gymnastics, basketball, volleyball, those those high numbered ones. Those high number, yeah. Um, gymnastics has always been a very popular one. I can't say that I went back and compared all the waiting lists, but I will say that that's always been um, pretty high in demand. And a lot of that recently coming out of COVID, we, we unfortunately lost a lot of our experienced instructors. So a lot of that is also tied not only to the facility, but also just the experience level of some of our incoming staff that we are training continuously. Um, but there's just not the volume. We can't handle the same amount of volume that we were used to. So um, yes and no, <laughs> sorry. Uh, and then as for basketball, we saw a huge increase in our basketball demand. Uh, we, as you know, have said for many years that we want to increase our gymnasium space and our basketball court space. That's something this department has worked on. And so I think that was a big factor in that as well. Um, and then the volleyball camp has just been really popular in recent years. Volleyball has, again, kind of same thing as the basketball, just needing more of the court space. Thank you. Of course. Any other questions or comments? Thank you so much, Melody. Oh, no, I don't. Um, Question or agenda item 13, uh, reports of director, director, Reggie Hubbard. Thank you, commission chair. I don't really have much. I um, just wanna say happy new year to the commission. Um, myself, I'm excited about this coming year, about all the exciting things that we have uh, coming forward. And Eric kind of went over most of the things that I wanna talk about <laughs> is all the staff that we have coming on board. 
Um, so we hired a facility maintenance coordinator over at Ulabs Community Center. We hired an administrative technician that's over the marketing um, piece, two office assistants, and two recreation supervisors. One recreation supervisor started this week, and then we have one starting next week. Um, and those were due to promotions that we have with Elizabeth and um, Jim Baker. Uh, we do have two recruitments opening here soon for the uh, recreation coordinator positions at sports and aquatics. And we will be opening the associate planner position because all these projects that we have in the park. So we need another planner to come in and help with, with these things as well. We did have a recent in-person hiring event. Um, it took place on December 14th. We had, this is part-time staff. We had 17 candidates were interviewed and 12 offers were made on that day. So, and actually six candidates um, have already cleared. So that's exciting. So some of those waitlist um, numbers that you see, hopefully we can hire some of these staff and get some of these kids off the waitlist as well. So um, a lot of good things happen in our, in our department and it's all due to the incredible staff that we have. And I appreciate the commission's support. So thank you. Thank you. Um, any questions or comments for Director Hubbard? Uh, Commissioner Baruman. Yeah. Um, Reggie, as far as from what I'm hearing tonight, it just seems like we don't have facilities, we don't have staffing, and as the gentleman always said, there's $35 million out there somewhere, but through Measure M, where does that come into place? Does it help us or... Is it something we need to go to the city council to or ask or? We make our pitch every year for, you know, um, additional staffing and, and for facilities, et cetera. Uh, I would say this, of course, you understand that we're not, we wouldn't be the only department asking right. for that. Yes. Right. And so, you know, you have fire, you have police, you have public works, you have other departments that have requests as, as well. And so, and that's why. We're having a special meeting to maybe address some of the issues related to space and facilities as you guys ranked some of the top projects um some of those projects included uh, you know a indoor gymnasium Correct. and so we're moving in in that direction yeah to to, to help um kind of relieve some of the pressure off, yeah. off facilities yeah because again it's our new generation coming up if we don't get them out the streets and get their minds working and growing and that they do the job. And get <laughs> I think we need we need to head in that right direction, and I think yeah, yeah. And <laughs> sick the commit, sick the public, the pickleball defense to the city council meetings where they can open discussion. <laughs> yeah, they've been, they've been. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a combination of things. It's yeah. you know we need more space and we need staff, and it's just you know coming out of out of the pandemic. I think folks they, they're getting back yeah. to quote unquote normal, and they're getting out and um, participating in recreation activities. So and we're excited for that, and we want to make sure that we're preparing for that for the next couple of years as well. So, thank you. Sure. Thank you. Um, well, since Commissioner Baruman brought it up, <laughs> not gonna, I'm not going to leave the meeting tonight without bringing up the Measure M 3 by 3 Is there an update? Um, do we need to poke um, City Council and the City Manager? Um, you know, I know, I know we're doing this process with um, you know, ranking the projects and, um, you know, going to eventually make a recommendation to council. Um, but I still think that there's still value in the measure M three by three committee. And so, um, I don't know if there's any updates on that. I don't have an update on that. I haven't heard anything since the last, since the last time you asked, but, um, <laughs> every meeting, I, I, yeah. <laughs> you have me until March, so okay. I'm going to ask, everybody. but I would encourage you if you'd like to give city manager um, a call and ask him uh, yeah. for an update. Yeah, yeah, especially since now the dust has settled with elections mm -hmm. and, 
you know, we have everybody seated now um, as mayor and council. So uh, Commissioner Gutierrez has a comment. Oh yeah, I just turned it off because I was going to piggyback on what Commissioner Ruman said, but you kind of already went there. So I, I was just just curious on, but we're, we're gonna also have a special meeting. Maybe this should be in my commissioner comments, but since I'm here, um, if, we're, if we're looking at like holistically and a lot of the feedback that I was also hearing at the Centennial Park meeting, it, it feels like if we're looking at an opportunity, you know, our gymnastics where that's being held it's super outdated and since we have such a high demand for that it seems like if we're able to put some of that money into really having a nice center for gymnastics for basketball for soccer for pickleball then these um for tennis as well um, then these agencies are able to hold tournaments and really get some usage and we can bring more money into the city we can have more you know kids enrolled. I'm thinking also about, you know, staffing where we mentioned we didn't have, you know, officials being able to partner with some of the existing parents already and, and maybe barter with them. If you could referee this game, we'll give you a discount on your kids enrollment on the next game. I, I know my husband would totally sign up for that. Um, he'd probably do it for free. Um, but just being able to, to look at some of these things where it may be a little bit of money up front, but then what we get uh, as far as a return on some of that, those investments, it seems like that would just really outweigh, um, you know, the need right now for not having funding. It, it seems like those things would pay for themselves. And this is maybe something you're already working on, but um, yeah, this is my two cents. Um, Commissioner Shave has questions or comments. Yes, I mean, since we're on the topic of asking for money and <laughs> pushing all this stuff forward, um, I know that, you know, we have a special meeting coming up to talk about big projects. Um, will there be an opportunity for Counts Commission to provide feedback on more mid-level projects, um, things that aren't as, um, you know, pricey as some of the big ones that we're, we're going to be continuing to look at, but, um, just smaller projects that can maybe build out some of, you know, the existing stuff we have, um, it, you know, not the $10 million projects, but just, um, you know, kind of mid range. Is that something that's gonna be coming before commission or? There will be an opportunity, although we wanted to focus on those projects that are in the, uh, the park and rec master plan, the action plan piece, there will be an opportunity to speak on that as well. So you, there, there, there'll be alternatives, right? And so you can speak on something that you might wanna see added to this, absolutely. Um, thank you, Commissioner Shea. Um, no other questions or comments for the public? Okay, um, moving on to agenda item 14, reports of commission. Uh, we will go ahead and kick it off with Commissioner Oz. Thank you, Chair. And, um, uh, I, again, I, I mentioned earlier that I um, had the opportunity to attend the Centennial um, Park uh, Master Plan Outreach Meeting on December 3rd and um, really, really thought it was uh, uh, Hugh Hesterman and the staff uh, really did a great job of, of organizing that event. Um, I, I enjoyed the presentations and then interacting with all the members of the, of the public and getting some of their just one-on-one -on -one direct feedback. So, I'm looking forward to this item um, coming before the commission here later in April. 
Um, and again, uh, to, to to Tony and um, the, uh, the the Vacaville Community Tennis Association, they wanted to just, just um, uh, say thank you for your your efforts to put together this binder. Um, and there's a lot of information in here. So I just wanted to, again, ask how do we go about making this part of the, the minutes of the meeting and making sure that all the, the commissioners um, get a copy of it. We can make sure that Tracy puts this yeah, the, this copy um, in the minutes. That is that open? I'm sorry, I don't want to misspeak. I'm gonna I'm gonna ask our council how this is done yeah. before I step on my tongue. <laughs> yes, this can be included in the record as communication received, even though this was an item on the agenda and no action is being taken and no discussion is being had on this. Um, we can include it as. Received. Should I have given it to staff earlier before the meeting? Would that been more? That would have been. Out. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't part of my training. <laughs> so. Okay. Thank you. Um, Commissioner Baruman. Um, I already started that. I won't talk about money, but I just want to thank everybody to come out today. The Pickleballers, the Tennis Association, we, get, we hear you. Um, this commission here has a big responsibility of what we need to do to make it great for the public and everybody and with Eric's help over there. He's quiet and staff and Reggie and um, we have a lot to, to think about because it's really small little things that you're asking for and you guys are willing to work to get it to where we need to get it on your own too as a nonprofit as nonprofits are I know how they work I deal with a lot of them and so um, and Mr. McGuire is over there for you yeah and he's pretty much involved with a lot of things but we have a, a great uh, responsibility and I think with the work with working with you guys and talking to the city manager and you know make your voice heard i think we can get that point to try to get the money moved in the right direction and get things going and nemo's doing a great job we took it easy on him today because she wasn't here so uh but i thank everybody for coming out and a happy new year and i think i'm here till march but maybe i'll get huh with mary i'm out <laughs> Um, okay, thank you, Berman. Uh, Commissioner Gutierrez. Um, Happy New Year to everyone. Again, thank you for, for coming out. I also attended the December 3rd meeting in person for um, to go over the Centennial Park. It was a lot of community engagement, which was really nice. And I was able to speak with several community members that, that attended and, and just to not go down my full list, but I just kind of bulleted some of the things that um, people brought up. People brought up some concerns about the restrooms in the park and the homeless and who's going to monitor that. There were some people who wanted more open land and didn't like a lot of the features and wanted to hear more about what we were doing to preserve that. People were offering suggestions about sand volleyball, um, that being a lower expense, um, you know, versus trying to do it on an actual court. Um, more 
tennis courts, more pickleball courts, um, park maintenance. People have questions um, about what that would look like. Um, there was someone else that had a concern about water shortage because some of the water features that would be um, at the new park um, as well, or at least on the plan. Um, I do question and wonder, similar to what Berman said, how can we become better community advocates? We've got notebooks and notebooks since I've been on the commission since, you know, 2021 of ideas and suggestions that people come and bring to the table and people even pull me aside and what what we can do to help kind of amplify their voices and our voices. Do we need to come to the city council meeting, the, the whole group and, and speak to them or what, what can we do? I guess I feel like, and I don't wanna speak for everyone that we might need more information on how we can really use our service again to just be a better advocate for um, the community and what that looks like. How do we present items? How do we help push items over the finish line? Um, that would be amazing personally um, for me. I'm also wondering about staffing and it's exciting that we had so many people attend. I was very curious on how that worked um, and, and what the attendance looked like and the fact that there were 12 offers, that's, that's great. Are, those, are they still at the offer stage or have they gone through background and they're for sure for sure starting. And then my other question before you answer that is I know we did several additional measures as far as staffing, there were banners up and, and different mm -hmm. methods. Have we looked at where um, we got the most, um, was it this onsite you know, interview event? Was it some other methods that we were using? Have we kind of decided where we're gonna put our time and energy to keep this recruitment going? Uh, thank you, Commissioner. Uh, to answer your first question, yes, six of those individuals are going through the process right now, which means they're onboarding, um, going through the background check and so on and so forth. The others are probably a step before that. And so we're hoping to get them all on, but at least six right now are actively in the process. And typically that takes a, a couple weeks to get, get that done. Uh, as far as our advertising and how we're recruiting for Staff, the banners have helped. It's online. We do survey our folks and ask, how did you learn about the job? And so we take that data as well, and we put our efforts in those areas. So we do survey our individuals that come in and ask how they found out about the, the, the positions. Yeah, kudos to you. I see it all the time, the social media. And yeah, oh, amazing. And that's it for me. All right. Thank you, Commissioner Gutierrez. Commissioner McMahon. Well, good evening. And uh Aisha said, why are you so quiet tonight? All these questions have been great. Uh, so I'm just sitting back listening. Thank you, everyone. Um, you know, again, I had the opportunity to um, uh, be a part of the Centennial Master Plan meeting via Zoom on December the 7th. Again, very well attended, great questions. Uh, the tennis group was represented. The pickleball group was represented. Uh, volleyball. Um, you know, one of the things I want to um, hopefully express to the commission is we, we do have some hard decisions coming up here in the next few weeks and months. And um, one of the speakers tonight indicated that there are 104,000 people in this town. You know, so relatively small group of people here tonight, but your issue is a very big issue for your group. Your issue is a very big issue for your group. We do have a gymnastics uh, arena or a, a ice rink that is likely leaking right now. It, it is in bad shape and it needs uh, a new roof and new flooring. And I know some of that stuff is coming. So 
in the next few weeks, it sounds like we're going to be able as a commission to um, determine what we feel is important to serve this town as a whole for the 104,000 people that live here. So those decisions aren't always easy. Um, talking about major M funds, we don't, as a commission, get to determine where those funds go. We are an advisor to the council. So it's, we're absolutely advocates. We're advocates for the tennis group. We're advocates for the pickle, pickleball group and everybody else in this town. So um, I would just say, let's reach out to our electeds. Let's be um, advocates for that money and let them know how important these programs are and how important these facilities are to this community. And um, with that said, I would just uh, encourage you all to do that. I'm going to reach out to my um, district one um, council member and make sure uh, my voice is heard. And I would encourage all of you to do the same. So thank you so much. Um, it's really nice seeing you guys here every month. It really is. And, you know, keep coming out. We, we do have a special meeting on the 18th of January. And, you know, again, you will see how we have as a commission prioritized what we feel um, is important to the community right now. You know, so we will, uh, again, we will try to make the, the best decision we can to serve this community as a whole. And sometimes it may not be the most popular decision in your eyes, but um, I think everybody's heart is in the right place here and we will um, absolutely do what we feel is best to serve the community. So thank you so much. Again, we appreciate it. We hear you. And, uh, you know, I think, you know, somewhere in the future we can get there. I really do. I think we can get there for, for both groups and for everybody else. So thank you so much and happy new year. Thank you. Um, thank you, Commissioner McMahon. Uh, Commissioner Shea. Um, I just want to wish everybody a happy new year and I hope everybody had happy holidays. Um, I really want to thank um, Parks and Rec staff. Um, I've just been seeing a lot of really cool stuff happening lately around town. Um, I've been seeing some really cool recreation opportunities. I just signed my son up for the Dungeons and Dragons um, Club, and I really appreciate the opportunity for my non-sports um, involved son to get to recreate. Um, he's very, has zero interest in any kind of physical activity, but he's very excited to do um, Dungeons and Dragons with a city club. So. Um, thank you for that, um, and we're very excited about that as a family. Um, and just thank you for, you know, always keeping an eye toward those non-sport um, recreations as well, and, you know, kind of making sure that the gamut of those things is taking care of it is appreciated. Um, and then this weather, uh, everybody stay safe. Um, I know we were supposed to have a presentation uh, from Public Works, and I just wanted to thank them. Um, I know that, you know, they're out there um, when we're storming like this, and there's a lot of positions, um, and people, my husband's Caltrain, they're on Stormwatch and doing 8 p.m. to 8 a.m. And all of the people, you know, that work for the city that are out there making sure that the roads, flood, roads aren't flooded um, and, you know, tree branches aren't in the middle of the road and all that. It's really appreciated. There's a lot of infrastructure stuff that we don't really think about when it's um, storming like this. I mean, just on the way here, I was like frantic my car was like sliding yeah. all over the road and yeah. it was intense so everybody stay safe um as we as we weather this really intense storm um 
I also had the chance uh, to attend the Centennial, the Zoom um, session. And again, I wanna thank Parks and Rec staff. Um, that was really well attended. And I've been on a lot of different community um, at the city council level and for you know various things. And we don't often get you know, a good attendance. Um, and so really kudos to you know, how you guys marketed that. Um, and that kind of you know, brings up um, also, we had a public comment about um, kind of educating the public and, and having flow charts. And I really liked that idea. Um, and it's kind of just to piggyback off the, you know, good attendance from Centennial. How do we keep um, keep that attendance up and keep people at that level of engagement? Um, I, I liked that somebody spoke about it this evening. I love having all of the pickleball and tennis people come and advocate for their interests every week. It has been very enlightening. Um, and if it weren't for you guys, we'd just be sitting here all by ourselves with city staff every every <laughs> once every Wednesday that we meet. So um, it's nice to have a company. Um, but just it, that is a good idea and it's a good thing to look at. Um, I know that social media has been pretty successful for a lot of parks and rec efforts, but just city across the city, you know, um, maybe having info sessions or like um, Public comment said like a flow chart, more social media outreach. Like I do see, you know, in back of all groups, like people wondering like who do they call when they want to report specific things. Um, and I think it it still is somewhat of an area of need. I know that's not just a parks and rec thing, but just you know, um, city staff as a whole. Um, it's something that people are, you know, interested in. Um, and then we did get a communication about um, Day of Peace for Martin Luther King Jr. Day um, and really want to encourage the community to come out um, and attend that. I've been, um, I went to the inaugural one. I wasn't able to attend last year because my, our entire family had COVID, um, but we'll be there this year. Um, it's a beautiful day um, and it's just really good to be out with the community um, celebrating the values of Dr. Martin Luther King. It's really, um, it's just a great vibe um, and really fun to hang out with the community. Um, and that's, that's it for my public comment tonight. Thank you so much, Ms. Menarche. Uh, Vice Chair Thompson. Thank you. Um, I also uh, attended the uh, virtual Centennial Park Master Plan uh, meeting or presentation. I think um, Park Planner Hussman did a great job coordinating that and presenting um, ideas. Um, I wanna thank everyone for coming out tonight and your um, attendance at the community engagement. I think um, we're listening, we're trying to listen, we're hearing you. Um, uh, Park Planner Hesterman and Park Planner um, Nemo are, are, are bringing those, that information back to us. Um, we have a responsibility, I wanna um, reiterate what um, Commissioner McMahon said, we have a responsibility to listen, um, take those ideas and push them forward to city council. But I, I, I also encourage you all to reach out to your district representative um, on the council to you know take that voice there as well um, because I think it, it will um, have um, a, a large impact um, as it has with us um, and so thank you all for coming out continue to come out um, I think the community engagement is great I like seeing everyone out here um, I like seeing everyone attending the virtual and in-person meetings so um, continue to do that um, it's important very important and we do hear you um, and uh, we will do our best um, I think we all have, you know, our hearts in the right place. We'll do our best to represent you and push those ideas forward as best we possibly can. Um, we are an advisory board only. 
we don't make those final decisions, but we can, you know, advocate for you, and we will we we will do that. Um, I also want to um, at least put a bug in um, Director Hubbard's ear about that three by three, and I will be um, uh, contacting the city manager um, since that was his plan. But um, uh, we can um, figure out what's going on with that um, since that was probably eighteen months ago. It was originally presented. Mm -hmm. It was a virtual meeting during COVID. I don't remember the exact date. I'd have to, I'd have to look it up, but yeah, there you go. Of course, Murray does. Perfect. So I, I, I'd like to revisit that and see what, what, what an update is on that. And I will certainly be reaching out to um, Aaron as well. But if you could do that as well, Reggie, I appreciate that. Um, and then lastly, happy new year to everyone. Stay safe. It's wet out there. Um, I walked in the door soaking wet. So <laughs> in, in, in an hour and 24 minutes, I've dried off mostly, but um, it's wet out there. Stay safe, um, be safe and healthy. All right, thank you, Vice Chair Thompson. Um, my quick update, so um, I also was able to attend the December 3rd um, Centennial meeting in person at ULATIS. Um, there was a really great turnout, um, so much so we didn't have enough chairs set up, so I kept going to the front desk, can we get more chairs, can we get more chairs? Um, and definitely had, um, a, I think, a diverse group of folks that attended. We had families there, we had little kids there, um, the obviously the tennis and pickleball folks were out. Um, I heard because it was raining that day. Um, so, you know, couldn't play outdoors. Um, but nonetheless, it was great to see all the folks that did turn out. Um, Hugh also, as you mentioned, did a great job in helping facilitate that with the consultants. Um, but there was a lot of good feedback. Um, and I think um, oh, the soccer, uh, there was also a, a board member from the soccer league that was there. Um, and I think from my perspective, having kids in a lot of leagues, <laughs> um, there was a little bit of a red flag that kind of like came up for me um, in that the soccer, the woman from the soccer league didn't actually like kind of know what was happening with that plan. So I think, again, as much as we can use our constituents that, um, you know, we can get information out to um, the bodies. I know you guys put a huge sign out in front of Centennial, um, but even if it's just an email asking the presidents and the vice presidents of the leagues to send communications out about the upcoming master plan meetings, um, I think that that would be great. Um, I think that she was a little shocked to hear that one of the fields that they just built um, in the plan would be potentially moved or relocated. Um, and so I do hope that all of the feedback that was taken at both of those meetings and over, you know, um, probably I'm sure there's feedback in social media, but also um, at the commission meetings and from the commission tonight, um, I do hope that um, the plan comes back to us looking different than what it looks like now. Um, I think that there was a lot of good feedback that can be incorporated, um, but I also keep hearing at council too, um, the council members, you know, either kicking back plans or development or um, park plans um, to put something else in it that, you know, like think bigger, um, go bigger, think about a theme and like encouraging and pushing the staff to think critically about, um, you know, um, what is incorporated in the plan, but also to give, you know, a touch or some sort of feel to the park plan that, um, you know, encourages people to come. And so I think we have a really big opportunity with like the hundreds of acres at Centennial to do something big and go big and ask big and use those measure M funds. Um, and so I really hope that we do come back with um, 
a, a bigger and better plan. Not that the existing plan isn't good. I think just something bigger and better, a wow factor. Um, I think, you know, council member Silva has talked about themes and having themes at the parks. Um, um, I know council member Sullivan has said, come back and bring us a wow factor. And so I think if we can do that and beef up this master plan and make it a destination type park, um, it is very close to the freeway, um, but a destination park, not only for our community and for our residents, but even for um, outside the outside community and surrounding areas. Um, so I really wanna encourage staff to think big. So whenever it does come back to the commission, um, having been on the commission now almost three years, it does oftentimes feel like when those master plans come to us, that they're in a pretty much final state and it's hard to kick things back. Um, you know, I understand we're working with consultants that cost a lot of money. And so, um, I, you know, I, I think that we are very conscious of that as a commission. And so when they do come to us, um, I think there is feeling and sentiment that those should just move on um, and move to city council. And so um, I do hope that there is time for the commission to engage in the master plan process. Um, and even if that means, you know, it may have to continue to more meetings. So, um, and definitely agree with the public comment about flowcharts. I think even for me as someone who's been on the commission three years, it is always still like, okay, where, what happens next? Where does it go next? What, what happens? What's the next step? And I think um, to Commissioner Shea's point about maintaining that um, community engagement would be really great. Um, and um, my only other note is the, you know, we are all great humans who are up here serving, um, but the commission applications are currently open. Um, and so folks can apply to serve um, at both the Parks and Rec Commission, but also the Planning Commission. Um, and that deadline is in January, but I don't know the date off the top of my head. I wanna say the 20th. So it just encouraging the public to apply. Um, it's on the city website, um, but encourage, you know, you all have showed up consistently. Maybe one of you wants to apply to be on the Parks and Rec Commission. Um, but definitely just encouraging um, the public to apply. Um, and I think that's all I have for tonight. And with that, happy new year, um, happy 2023 um, and good night Vacaville. Thank you. We will, oh, we will adjourn to the special meeting on Wednesday, January 18, 2023 at 6 p.m. in person here at City Hall. Thank you. Meeting adjourned.